This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode 23, Hiding the Broccoli in the Milkshake. I'm Eric. And I'm Chris, and we're both elementary school principals in the Asperia Unified School District in Southern California. On this episode, we talk with first grade teacher Renee McAnulty about the many ways she engages students by using creativity, thematic instruction, and an astonishing array of acting skills. Alone With Our Principles is unofficially sponsored by Facebook and Hickory Farms. You've got a friend in cheeses. mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right. Well, welcome, Mrs. Mack. It's great to see you. I, I'm sorry. I need to give you your official introduction. This is first grade teacher Renee McAnulty, affectionately known to generations of students and families across the high desert as Mrs. Mack. Welcome to the Alone With Our Principals podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And of course, with us, as always, is our lovely and talented fact checker, uh, technical advisor, et cetera, et cetera, Carrie Lewis. It's a great day, gentlemen and Young lady, beautiful teacher and educator, and one of my favorite people on the planet. We want to talk to you today about Mrs. Mack. Is your passion for teaching and your creativity, and I don't know if you have a theater background, but it certainly seems like it from watching you in the classroom. Um, But, you know, over the past several years that I've worked with you, uh, you've done a great job of creating experiences for your students that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. So uh, why don't you tell us about, uh, first of all, your background, and then what got you where we are today. I come from a family of teachers, believe it or not. Coming to school with my mom, I've been doing that since I was 10, you know, so I was actually running reading groups at the age of 12 in her classroom. There was absolutely no doubt in my mind that I knew that I wanted to work with children someday. And uh, my first job, I was 16 and I actually worked at a daycare. So I used to come right after school and I ran a little a daycare class, you know, for after school kids. Yeah. I, I always say like, I jokingly say like, I, I don't really, I never wanted like a real job or like a desk and having to like do paperwork and stuff like that. I, never, I just wanted to uh, like yeah, we'll play get, with kids. And you chose teaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to avoid the Mrs. Mack and paperwork uh, details. Oh I yeah. Think. We can talk to Miss Margie about that. She knows all about that. But no, I just, I, my passion has always been with kids. And so I knew right away, you know, when I started college, I actually started taking child development classes when I was in high school. So I could have my child development degree by the time I graduated. I worked, she hired me on as a private kindergarten teacher. And I did that until 2001 when HUSD picked me up. And you've been doing that ever I've since? I've been doing that ever since. What schools, have you always been at Cottonwood or have you been at other schools as well? Carol Witten hired me at Cottonwood and I've been there ever since. It's crazy. That is crazy. crazy. So thinking about the impact that you've had on your students, uh, you know, I think Eric and I, uh, Eric, what about you? Do you remember a time from when you were in school that an activity, I mean, we've talked about teachers who have had an impact on us just for who they were and how they made us feel and all that, you know, that's what teachers are most memorable for. But is there an activity that you had a teacher lead uh, when you were a student that sticks with you? Yeah, I don't know about a specific activity, but I will tell you that, you know, you you talked about teachers, how they made you feel, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's that saying that, you know, people won't remember how, you know, what you learned or what you know. I don't remember the exact quote. I'm going to botch it, but you always remember how they made you feel. And I can think of a couple teachers in my 
educational career that come to mind. We had Miss Lemke was a seventh grade science teacher. And, you know, junior high is just difficult for so many reasons. <laughs> it's so awkward and trying to find your place in the world. But, and I can't put my finger on a particular event or moment, but I remember her because of the way she made me feel. I remember her because she made me excited about learning things that I would have otherwise not been excited about because she was a teacher who you could tell was excited herself about everything she taught and came in with enthusiasm and with energy. And I just remember that about her. like, I could not be bored in her class. Uh, I could not disrupt her class. Um, and I, I respected her because I feel like she respected me. And I remember her because of just that energy. And then the other one I'll mention just really quickly, Mr. Hollihan was a ninth grade English teacher I connected with for a lot of reasons, but I was uh, part of the key club in high school, which was a bit of like a philanthropic entity, you know, and trying to do things uh, for the betterment of the school and the community. And he was our advisor for that. And I just remember him because I felt like he wanted to know me as a person. He connected with me on a personal level. We ended up being friends after high school. Um, He had a side job where he was a truck driver. And uh, I actually went with him after high school because I told him, I kind of want to be a truck driver. So he's like, well, come (laughs) along with me. You can check it out. I'll just suffice to say I did not become a truck driver after that experience. But that was just, uh, uh, um, you know, symbolic of the fact that he really cared about me as a person. I ended up uh, visiting his house, meeting his wife. And so for me, that personal connection piece is probably part of why I ended up where I am today, just because I remember those teachers because of the way they made me feel. And I, I have such fond memories of just feeling good about my experience in those classrooms. Yeah, I have a ton of those teachers uh, as well that just have stuck with me uh, my whole life. But the story that that I wanted to share, it was from when I was in sixth grade and my teacher's name was uh, Mrs. Morella. You know, she was she was great. Uh, First of all, she put up with me and my weird sense of humor and my sarcasm (laughs) and she would fire back every once in a while. So I appreciated that because, you know, I mean, you guys have known me well enough that basically when I was a student in school, my teachers either loved me or couldn't stand me because of the disruptions, which were inevitably going to happen. But Mrs. Morella was great. And there was one activity she had us do uh, where we were writing pretty much whatever we wanted to. She was going to submit all of our writing in the class to the local public library that they were going to publish the best ones in a magazine they were putting out. So me and Eric, you're going to laugh because you always, I don't want to say you give me a hard time. We always point out that I remember names. I just do. I remember the names of like true. everybody that I grew up with. And my, my partners on this project were uh, Christine Sexton, Tom Jennings, John Romano. <laughs> you're right. I'm going to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and Arnie Gentile. They, it, it and was the, the names it, are always great. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's New Jersey. Movie, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was the five of us working on uh, a story about a superhero. You'll love this, Mrs. Mack. Um, I don't know where we had seen it, but in one of our science lessons, there was either a bacteria or something like that, an amoeba of some sort that looked like a carrot. So that put into our head the adventures of Carrot Man. So Christine Sexton and I, we did the writing and Arnie and Tom and John were the illustrators. So of course, Carrot Man was the hero, but the villains had names like Tom Ado, Billy the Radish, yeah, Kid Kneebean. Uh, yeah, I mean, right, right. So, so we just thought of all the vegetable puns that we could that were the villains, and we wrote this story. And you know, the illustrations and the teacher submitted them, and ours got published in the Middlesex Public Library Student Writing Magazine. I think my mom probably still has that somewhere. Yeah, it was, so that was. But I remember that. I remember that activity, and I remember Mrs. Morella, and you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. You've just started school, and the path you choose now may be the one you follow for the rest of your life. All right. Well, Mrs. Mack, 
We will now go to what we like to call the quiz, where we have a few questions that'll help us get to know you just a little bit better. So why don't you start out by telling us a funny or memorable story from when you were a student? Well, this might explain why maybe some of the incidences that happen in my classroom and different personalities and different characters showing up. When I was in high school, I was on a softball team and uh, we were, and how this even happens back then, I don't even know. But we were breaking up the old concrete foundation in the, the dugout. So our coach had us with sledgehammers breaking pieces of concrete. Free student labor. What yeah. could possibly go wrong oh, here? Uh, with me. Okay. And, ta- and then, oh, it gets better. Then taking that said concrete and throwing it over fences. Okay. Because we were trying to throw it over the fence so they could lay in the new concrete. There's this huge piece of concrete and we got it as, as small as we thought we could. You know, not one of us could lift it over the fence. So we're like, you know, hey, a bunch of, girl, a bunch of us girls can pick this piece oh, of concrete up and on the count of three, we're going to throw it over the fence. So, <laughs> Well, needless to say, shocker, spoiler alert, it didn't go over the fence. Instead, it ricocheted off the fence back and everybody else moved out of the way except yours truly. So it literally like smashed my head open. So oh, I come over and there's like this red stream. I'm like, guys, I don't, I don't feel so good. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so the coach comes over and, and he's like, well, take your hand off, you know, let's assess the situation, you know, head wounds bleed a little bit. And it's like literally this whale, you know, spurting blood through. She has a blowhole. I have a blowhole. So the concrete <laughs> yes. gave her a blowhole. <laughs> All right, nobody panic. So, you know, anyway, so here comes our little, you know, high school medical team. (laughs) You know, the kids that are, what are they called? I don't even know. So they come out and they're like, oh, oh, it's fine. It's fine. So they're trying to stop the bleeding. And then you'd think the situation gets better. Oh, it doesn't. They said, "Um, you know, I think, I think you need to go home. Is there anybody we can call? And I was like, well, my parents are still, you know, they're teaching and um, I'm just going to drive home. So I drove home with like towels on my head and I stopped at the uh, 7-Eleven to get some ice with my bleeding. (laughs) So I get home and my grandma is like, we need to (laughs) probably get you to the doctor. You know, I had a concussion, obviously. And, you know, I had a like five or six staples put into my head. But it was funny because the principal, I mean, obviously it was a big deal. So the principal calls and (laughs) Coach calls and my dad's like, well, if my daughter's stupid enough to pick up concrete and throw it over the <laughs> oh, fence, man. I'm pretty sure she's the one at fault here. So, which it was, you know, but. Um, I've gotten angrier parents over paper cuts. <laughs> you, now you can tell them. It's you know, a Mrs. sign of the right. times. It exactly. Is. I mean, you know. That probably explains why maybe... Uh, that explains a lot. The, the funny thing is, and I won't tell it here, maybe for another time, I too have a got hit in the head with a cement chunk story from my childhood. Uh, I did uh, not use a cement chunk, but I did get stitches when I was in grade school in the back of my head. This could be an entire episode, uh, injuries. Head injuries. Did you get stitches? Scar? Anything? I, I actually have a dent in my... <laughs> I really do. No, I do too. You can't... Yeah, the top of my head, you can feel a dent from... Yeah, it's there. Wow. <laughs> have a dent so staples and you know a little slow sometimes but you know it's fine we learned not to throw concrete you only do that once right (laughs) throw concrete over your head i'd like to agree with you that you only do it once but 
Well, anyway. All right, Mac, your second question. What's the best job you've had outside of education? You know, um, I've never done anything outside of education. I've just always have worked with kids or worked with teachers. Um, I think the coolest thing besides being in the classroom was I was able to do a little bit of side work with Katie Garner. You know, that's like my idol. Um, and I was able to present at some different reading conferences and some national conferences and just kind of help her with that. And it kind of got my feet wet into that other, that other side. Yeah. Professional development, exactly. you know, teaching teachers, so exactly. to speak. And, and, you know, I've seen you in action doing that and you're, you're wonderful at that as well. All right. And our last of our quiz questions would be what movie, TV show or music group brings back memories of your high school years? Okay, I don't care how old, how many years go by, but when I hear New Kids on the Block, when I hear Joey McIntyre sing, please don't go, girl, I I, I just, I become 16 again. It does. I, I'm. Did you ever see him in concert? So many times, Mr. Land, it's embarrassing. <laughs> That's awesome. And more times as an adult than as a teenager. Yeah, I've seen Kiss way more times as an adult than I saw them when I was a teenager. So nothing wrong with nostalgia for sure. Was Kiss ever uh, labeled as a boy band? Uh, No, they've been called a lot of things, but never a boy band. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, Before I kick it over to you, Eric, to get to the meat of this, I do have to share a Mrs. Mack story. For all of Mrs. Mack's strengths, and there are many, one of her non-strengths is basically anything to do with navigation or automotives or driving a vehicle. And the story that I'm going to share with our listeners is there was one time, it was right before school started. I mean, maybe 10 minutes before the bell rang, five minutes before the bell rang. And we got a call from Mrs. Mack saying her car had run out of gas around the corner from the school. So being the servant leader that we strive to be, uh, myself and my assistant principal, Matt Sheffield, decided we're going to go help Mrs. Mack and we're going to push her car into the parking lot you know, to get it off of the street so she can be in there and get to work and, you know, call somebody for gas to fill up for the rest of the day. So, so we go out there and we're about half a block away from the school. Yeah. So, Not too far. right. So Matt and I start pushing her SUV, by the way, <laughs> um, with her and her. Wasn't a Prius? <laughs> no, it wasn't a Prius. Wasn't a, I like, drive a Sequoia. <laughs> it wasn't a Fiat. It was huge. So we're pushing this while Mrs. Mack is steering and her son Branson, who was probably five at the time, sitting in the back seat. So you'd think that when you're driving a vehicle that's out of gasoline and you have two people pushing you to safety, you're going to pull into the first parking lot you get to. No. Mrs. Mack is going, I'm going to my parking spot. So Matt and I are pushing full speed, best we can do, seeing Mack not turn her wheel into the kindergarten parking lot, which would have been right there. Nope, we're going a little bit further. Okay. So Matt and I kind of look at each other and we keep pushing and keep pushing. Meanwhile, this was a week before Christmas. So five-year-old Branson is leaning out the window going, on Dasher, on Dancer, on Sheffield and Mauger. And we're like, you know, it was just one of those things. And eventually we got Mrs. Mack pushed into the parking lot and, and we're ready to begin the day. But that's a story that I have never forgotten. And Mrs. Mack to this day, E does not mean enough. <laughs> I, I just... Can't believe that nobody caught this moment on camera. There was no pictures taken of you and Mr. Sheffield, who we both adore. Uh, I actually think there car. are pictures somewhere. There has to be. I think there are. I seem to remember seeing them at some point. You know, and it was, and the best part was, is, you know, you might as well just live in the moment. So I'm parade waving because at this time, you know, parents are already, you know, lined up, ready to drop their friends off. And I'm like, well, you got to make, let's give these people a story to tell for a lifetime. So I'm waving. <laughs> 
but I didn't even think until that day. It still bothers me because I'm just, I'm such a like, okay, I got to get to my row. I'm just going to get to my spot. I'm going to, you know, I wasn't thinking that my two, not just one principal, both of my principals are out there pushing. Is that the only time you ran out of gas? No, it actually (laughs) I had a feeling. Yeah, right. Uh, Right. My poor husband. If anything goes wrong, it's my head. It's my head in the smasher. All right. Well, that is going to be a nice segue into the main reason why we invited you, Miss Mac, here today. You know, uh, I know we introduced you at the beginning of the podcast, but I don't believe we mentioned the fact that, you know, Mr. Mogger and I both know you pretty well, but indifferently, certainly. I think he knows you a lot better being your boss for many years and working with you at the same school site. So he has that perspective. I got to know you from the perspective as a parent. Yeah. Of, of one of your students. Um, so it was it was an easy choice for us when we said we want to get a teacher on here to have somebody to come on and talk about creativity and, uh, you know, theatrics and uh, the way that you, um, in our opinion at least, are one of the most masterful that we've ever seen at engaging kids and getting kids excited about learning. So that's why we invited you here today. Um, and I'm sure we have uh, more stories as parent and as boss to tell along the way. But this is about you. So talk to us about your why. I mean, you already did a little bit, but talk to us about you know, you said, I always wanted to work with kids. I want to probe a little deeper than that. Why do you think uh, you were born with this, this talentless gift and this desire to just want to work with the kids and impact lives of kids? I absolutely love seeing that wonder in their eyes. When you can create, when you can take a lesson that normally would be hard for them to digest and add those extra things to get them to be able to, well, I want to know more. Or I want to come to school and I don't want to go home. I, I, you know, they're sad when the weekend comes or they don't want to go to spring break. When, when I can create an environment like that, that's all I need. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, people know, like, I, I work, I work for the kids. I'm there for the kids and everything I do, everything I plan, it has them in mind and just creating that environment for them. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you again, as a parent and seeing you and what you do and all the things you just said that it makes so much sense, but it's also deeper than that too, because there are teachers that are masterful at doing what you just said, creating wonder, creating experiences, creating pure unadulterated joy in kids. But then there's that other side of you're, you're such a strong curricular leader and you're so strong in, in using sound pedagogy and using best practices to get kids where they need to be by the end of first grade so they're ready to move on. And having be, being able to be talented and do both and do it well, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a real talent. And being able to take things like, you know, I, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the ways that you do things thematically. And, you know, you've got some things you do at St. Patrick's Day and things you do surrounding the Wizard of Oz. You want to talk to our audience a little bit about yeah. some of those things? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, you know, it's kind of like almost hiding the broccoli in the milkshake. You know, there's so many standards that we have and so many things that we have to get through to them in that 10 months. And that 10 months just flies by. So how can we get all of those core curriculum needs or those core standards, those essential standards, but yet do it in a way that that makes them want to learn it. And, and, and that's the big idea. I mean, it's easy. If you were to come in my classroom and see, you know, bats hanging up Halloween time and pumpkins and, you know, you would think like, oh, you know, it's a lot of fluff, but you know, there's always a purpose. There's a purpose with everything I do. If, if I can't back it up with standards or back it up with a purpose, then, then I don't do it. And so, um, it just happens 
to be fun and creative and engaging. So just give us a little example for audience members that maybe okay. don't know you. Talk about Sparkle. Talk about Miss Dorothy. Okay. Pick one of those that, that you, maybe you're excited about. Tell us a little bit more about, paint a picture for our audience of what that entails in Miss Mac's classroom. Okay. Well, I want to talk about both. Sure, <laughs> yeah, whatever you want, because definitely. No, no, I love know, them both. Well, no, Eric, okay. you as a parent, you've probably oh. heard the student side of it from Olivia. Oh. And as a principal, I've seen firsthand and participated to a certain degree with a lot of this. So, yeah, I'd love to hear all the stories. Oh. And I'm sure our listeners would love this. <laughs> Hold okay. on. I, I'm, I'm going to oh, interrupt real quick. Sure. I don't want to forget later. I just remember this moment. And this, I believe this was before my daughter was in your class. My wife, who those of you don't know, also works at Cottonwood, comes home one day and she shows me this video. And it was a video of you and your class. You're standing outside at Cottonwood and outside the gate. And I believe your daughter was leaving for college or something like that. And so we've got the teacher and all these little first graders and they're all waving and saying goodbye, goodbye. And I'm like, she took her class outside to say goodbye to her daughter. She was like, she's like, yeah, that's what she does. And it was so cute because the kids were like, obviously they knew the purpose. They knew why they were out there and they were all wishing her well as she drove away. That was my first experience of Miss Mac in action. I'm like, oh, we need to have this teacher. So I remember that moment of my little munchkins out there waving goodbye. And that was actually the first day that Ariel, Ariel just got her driver's license and she would come in and on Wednesdays, you know, she would read a story to my kids or teach a music lesson or whatever. And then she drove, her plan was to drive to Oak Hills, she, you know, school started because they started out an hour late, I guess, because they were later school. And it was the first day she was taking the car and going. And I wanted, I didn't want to miss that experience. And I wanted my, and my kids were so proud of her because they were following it with me. And that's one thing that I learned from my mom is that my, like my brother and I were never, we never felt like we had to compete against my mom's students because my mom's students loved us just as much as, you know, she loved us. And, and we loved my mom's students too. And I wanted that for my kids too. My, my whole family, we're all in, we're all in a hundred percent. You know, my students are my students and they're, they're my babies. They're my munchkins. They were so excited to see Ariel drive away and have that experience too. And they do that because they just, no, I was just going to say, and that was my point in bringing that story up in isolation having the teacher outside waving goodbye. It, it sounds silly, but the point was your own students being just as excited as you were. That was the part that was impactful for me. And, and after knowing you as a parent and watching my child in your class and watching my own daughter talk about your mom and your kids and your student teacher, it really was that, that connection that, that is so hard to, to come by. And, and, you know, my, my daughter as your student getting just as excited about things for you. And then of course, last year, I don't know if we're going to get to this, but, or this past year during the pandemic, some of the things I know you did for the, for the school community and, um, you know, having family zoom nights themed around some things like, uh, I think you had a Marvel superheroes one. There was a Christmas one and, and you, you see Mr. Mac is involved and both the kids are involved and they all have their own roles and responsibilities. So that family, that family uh, vibe that you, uh, you share with your kids is, is what I really appreciated in that moment. Well, thank you. So go ahead. You were going to tell you. us more. Yeah. Why don't we start with sparkle? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, sparkle the elf on a shelf that, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to take yeah. part in too. So, so yeah. Go so ahead. we have an exchange, uh, a foreign exchange student that comes from the North pole every year and, uh, her name is sparkle and she's under, you know, she's under strict restrictions. She needs to be able to follow directions and do what a first grade student is expected to do. And she gets in a little bit of mischief. I mean, she is an elf. We're pretty, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty patient with her as we are with all of our first grade friends. Unfortunately, one day she just kind of, she, she went too far. I mean, you know, Mr. Margaret, you're a patient man, but we just cannot tolerate eating 
other classmates, right? I've always said that. We, as tempting as it is, we just can't. Well, unfortunately, Sparkle got in a bit of a scuffle with some fellow gingerbread men students, and she ate them. Uh, I mean, and there's a book now. I mean, honestly, I really think Sparkle is the inspiration behind the book. We don't eat our classmates because fair point. She she had a problem with that, and so. Um, you know, Mogger unfortunately walked in on the scene and was like, I'm I'm going to have to, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to confiscate the elf. I mean, we can't have this elf running around eating, you know, our, our kids. And so, uh, you know, the first graders came in and of course they were devastated. And so the idea of that was, you know, they needed to write a persuasive writing, you know, essay, which is funny, it's first grade essay, but they absolutely can. And, uh, you know... I mean, I could have very easily put up a Google slide and did a beautiful five-hour anchor chart with colored stickers and stuff. But yeah, they're not going to remember that. They are going to remember their principal waiting for them in their classroom with a referral to our elf because she unfortunately made a sad choice. Yeah. Well, and the, and the way that plays out then, of course, I have to have Sparkle with me up in the office. Mm-hmm. And the kids at this point have convinced me to at least hear them out. Uh, that they're going to write me letters explaining uh, Sparkle's side of their story, giving me a little bit of her experience in the classroom that would paint her in a more positive light, so to speak. Yes. And I have to tell you, Eric, Carrie, some of these letters from kids, the one that sticks in my mind the most, because it's exactly what I would have written when I was in first grade, Mr. Mauger, we understand that Sparkle ate the gingerbread men, but, and then in all caps, they're cookies. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, you know, they, they are cookies. I, I mean, they're made of gingerbread, but... At that point, you will have brought all the kids up to my office. So they're sitting there waiting for my verdict. And the punchline to all this, so to speak, or the culminating activity is I don't have the authority over Sparkle. She's not enrolled in our school. I have to call her supervisor, Santa Claus. Now, through the miracles of iPhone technology, I happen to have Santa Claus's name and photo in my contact list. Uh, and the phone number. Well, as you should. You're the principal. Well, you of course. You've got to have direct contact. I have to have name. access. So I, so I call Santa on speakerphone, who at various times just has great sound effects going on in the background of his workshop. And we plead the case to Santa, who, who has always relented. I, I mean, Sparkle seems to get into these troubles every year. And every time Santa is perfectly reasonable and... You know, for the, for the sake of the pulling back the curtain um, to mix into the Wizard of Oz metaphor that we're going to get to in a second, mm-hmm. um, it's really kind of cool to play that part. Um, our superintendent, Mr. Olney, has been Santa. In some cases, Robert McCollum has been Santa. My wife was Mrs. Claus one year, and that was hilarious. She forgot I was calling. So here I've got Mrs. Claus in the picture on my phone, and, you know, it rings, and it goes, hi, how you doing? It's like, uh, hello, Mrs. Claus. <laughs> Uh, oh, yes, yes. Hi, everybody. Um, you know, but, you know, Santa will have sometimes gotten information before the phone call. So now he, of course, knows what some of the students have asked for for Christmas or what they received the prior year or who or their brothers the and room. sisters are. Yes. Santa does his homework. Oh, yeah. man. And just the magic on the kids' faces when Santa says, oh, and how is your brother Timmy? Did he like the bike that he got last year? He did get a bike last year. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's really amazing. But again, you know, as Eric was, t- was saying earlier, um, Renee, that you do have an academic point to this. And why don't you talk about that? Absolutely. So, you know, the main point of that was being able to write a persuasive 
letter. You know, you're trying to persuade someone to, you know, to agree with you and to see how you can get your point across in a professional, calm matter. Um, And then also just using our other strategies too. Like, you know, the kids brought in that text to text with um, the Grinch and how, well, remember how the Grinch, he changed and, you know, we can, so just, and, and they would even quote some of those strategic, you know, those buzzwords. Now, Eric, uh, what has Olivia shared with you? I'm sure she's come oh. home and talked about the Sparkle experience. Uh, so just as a frame of reference, my daughter Olivia now is finishing up her third grade year. Okay. So it's already been almost two years since she had Miss Mac, and the memories are still absolutely vivid. We still have, uh, we had to expand our own elf library at home because prior to that, <laughs> we had one elf on the shelf. We now have two and all the elf pets. We have the Arctic Fox and the St. Bernard Dog, and I believe there's another one. So the elf culture is certainly uh, real at the land household every Christmas time. I'm sure that Miss Mac had a lot to do with that. Um, and then the, the Dorothy one is interesting, which I want you to talk about here in a second, because my daughter uh, is not fond of the Wizard of Oz. It's a little scary to her, even still, the flying monkeys and the witch and such. So she's still reluctant to watch that. But Miss Dorothy, of course, is none of those things. Uh, So why don't you tell us a little bit about Miss Dorothy? And I have a beautiful story to continue with the Miss Dorothy lesson on that. But um, so we were basically trying, the point across that was we're trying to talk about uh, character traits and settings and plots and, you know, basically the parts of a story. And so I was thinking how fun it would be to actually show up as... Dorothy. And I do have a tiny bit of theater background. I do uh, at Cal State um, San Bernardino, we had to take uh, like a concentration. So my concentration is in theater in the classroom. So I do have a little bit, you know, plus, plus maybe the concrete on the head, you know, I don't know, maybe alternate personalities, who knows, but (laughs) I actually, and uh, Primrose is the one that actually let me, um, and she ended up giving me the costume. She's like, you this is your thing now. You have it. Yeah, but for, the, for clarification for the listeners, Jennifer Primrose, assistant principal, still in district, and she was uh, my assistant principal yes, at she was. Uh, yeah. when I was there. Yeah. And um, so I just thought it would be fun to show up as Dorothy that day and just teach the whole class. And I was going to go all in, meaning that I was going to show up as Dorothy and I was going to leave as Dorothy. So Mrs. Dorothy, Mac, the substitute teacher. Yes, Miss Miss Dorothy, the substitute teacher. And uh, Mrs. Mack, unfortunately, had a house emergency. And, uh, and it, what was great is, you know, the gods were with me that day because it was super windy. And so I blew in. I literally blew in. So it was fantastic. <laughs> Awesome. And so, uh, you know, the, I did it actually, I think five, four, five years now. Um, my favorite year was with Miss Olivia because she was, she was all in, all in a hundred percent. But, um, so the kids came up to the office and they're like, we need substitute keys because, um, we, we have, uh, Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz as our substitute. And Mr. Margaret's like, what? okay. Oh, then, then I think Sophia and Olivia were, you know, now don't panic because there's a witch dead in our classroom, but don't worry. It's they not- were great. <laughs> they were totally, you know, there's a dead witch in the classroom, but Miss Dorothy's here to be the substitute because Mrs. Matt couldn't make it today. I'm like, all right. He's like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to check out this situation. And so, um, but we did. And it was the coolest thing was I don't know if you ever get to be in an ex- have an experience where you can experience firsthand what your kids do on a daily basis and how you teach it and get it from their perspective because they were actually talking to Miss Dorothy as Miss Dorothy. Like there was no doubt about it that and even if they were 
you know, kind of like, oh, is that Mrs. Mac? We were playing. We were 100%. Yeah, we were playing. So they they brought out, they knew where my lesson plan book was. They knew where the, the Tuesday bucket is. They knew where our guide, they knew how to do guided reading. That was fun, is watching them teach Miss Dorothy because Miss Dorothy wanted to make sure she did all the lessons that Mrs. Mack did to try not to distract. I mean, there's already a dead witch in the classroom. So we're trying to be as, you know, the best we can in keeping the day as normal as possible. So she's trying to learn how to do guided reading. And, and you know, Olivia and Sophia and Tegan are all, you know, okay, so you're, you're going to check. You're going to put a check every time they say a word right. And they knew all of that stuff. And so the, the, kids, the t- kids were doing running records. We'll just, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, but the kids, and from seeing this in the costume, the kids totally bought in. I mean, obviously, it's Mrs. Mack and a Dorothy costume. But the kids, no. This is Miss Dorothy. And I got to say, Renee, I don't know, method acting is in your wheelhouse because I couldn't get her out of character. I mean, I would need a question in the middle of the day. I say, Renee, I need this. He goes, oh, Mr. Marker, Mrs. Mack isn't here today, but I'll be happy to get her the message. He's like, Renee, it's Chris. <laughs> I have a question for you. I'm sorry. I told you Mrs. Mack's not here today. It's like, fine, fine. Dorothy, can you please, I mean, you know. You, know. Um, you can't break character in front no, of those first graders, man. They're sharp. This was at lunch in the lounge. The kids were on the playground. I she didn't. was. She did not. It was Miss Dorothy there that day. But and you couldn't throw her any little thing that happened accidentally or just in the course of the day. She, um, announcement over the loudspeaker. You know, I'm on the loudspeaker, and all of a sudden, it's like, is this a magic room? The walls are talking. <laughs> no, it's Mr. Mauger. Mr. Mauger. Mr. Mauger. Is that a wizard? He's the principal. Is the principal like a wizard? It, it, it wouldn't matter what happened. Dorothy had an answer for it. Because at the end of the day, there. You know, I we talked about this quote. They're not going to remember what I taught them. They're not going to remember that I taught them how to read or that I taught them how to write and add and subtract. Though it's like breathing, you know, like walking. We don't, those are just things we just do all the time, but they are going to remember, oh man, my teacher, you know, like she had a substitute Miss Dorothy come in or maybe my teacher's a little crazy or, you know, and when I see these students, you know, year, like adult students years from now, I, that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember Sparkle. They're going to remember Dorothy. Olivia did not want that day to end. And um, so I was trying, I think it was on a Friday and I was trying to get, you know, my lesson plans done, you know, so I didn't have to worry about it over the weekend. So I was just trying to get everything situated. And um, my goal, I did bring like a change of clothes and, you know, whatever, because I wasn't going to break my Dorothy. If I'm in Dorothy, I'm going all in and Dorothy. And, um, and then I see my little door peeks open and, and I see my little Olivia and um, I was like, oh, well, hello. And she, come, she comes in and she just was, she was not ready for that day to end. So the coolest thing was, is she helped uh, Miss Dorothy write Mrs. Mack's lesson plans for the next week. And I'm sitting there and on the magic box, you know, because I didn't know, I mean, obviously I live in Kansas on a farm, you know, I don't know what a computer is. So she's like, well, let's see, uh, this is where she keeps our, our unit. So, okay, it looks like we're going to be learning about um, insects next. So maybe if we, t- and so she's helping me like figure out how to type in and search the insect stuff. And so she spent at least another good hour with me printing stuff out and putting stuff in the little thing. And in her mind, like we were, we were still playing. Like, I mean, we were in that total, that, that whole moment of this is my special time with Miss Dorothy. And the coolest part about that is, so just for frame of reference, this is after school, kids have gone home. Olivia's still on campus because mom works in the office, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, despite the fact that that, pro- that one hour is a time that Miss Mac lost that she'll never get back. <laughs> 
She took the time to just roll with it and play with Miss Olivia and stay in character when probably what she wanted to do was get her lesson plans done and go home. But that's just the kind of, right. that's the kind of teacher you are. You're just going to go with it. So. She was so excited the, ne- the next, uh, the following week to tell Mrs. Mack, Miss Dorothy and I did your lessons, so you don't have anything to worry. Let me show you what we did. And, and that was just... That oh. child is a dreamer, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Anything else you want to share with us, Miss Mack, about teaching or <sighs> anything that you want our audience to know about you? Well, okay, so we've also had a couple problems with leprechauns. Oh, right, the leprechaun. Yeah, we fiasco. do have some leprechaun issues. Uh, you know, we do, um, this is the first year we didn't get to do a big, huge um, exhibit, but we usually construct these leprechaun traps and we try to trap them in. And unfortunately, every year they escape and, you know, they cause, they wreak havoc and cause ruckuses in our classrooms. And of course, you know, Mr. Mogger is like, we can't have, we can't leave our classrooms a mess. And oh, it's uh, ridiculous. It's it, it, unacceptable. It was destroyed. So of course I had to blame the first graders because leprechauns, really? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so the kids, of course, you know, just all those little things and just, and these are just, these are just writing lessons. These are just normal, you know, things that you would sit down with a, with a PowerPoint presentation and do, but why, you know, why not make it more fun and thematic? And I'm thinking of a story right now from the leprechauns and I'm sure you'll remember it. Because uh, part of this was the kids had to build their leprechaun traps. So it was all about STEM activities and, you know, science and technology mm-hmm. and building cute lepre- leprechaun traps. Well, the kids got really creative on it. And typically the bait for the leprechauns is going to be gold trinkets or, or something like that. Well, one student decided to go a different way. So here I am on leprechaun trap day walking through the multipurpose room. And I see the slide that goes into the trap with the pot of gold. And then I get to one... And I know what I'm seeing, but I'm not sure what I'm seeing. There was no pot of gold. There was just like a big hole with like cloth over it. But sitting just on the other side of it was a bikini clad Barbie doll on a swing. And this student, that was the bait. That was the bait. Yeah. And the student's explanation was not all leprechauns like gold, Mr. Mogger. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my Brilliant. goodness. And you know, he's what, six? Six. So you, you want to say, what are you doing? But part of me is going... I'm sure he got a couple of leprechauns, right? I mean, and then the other one, I think it might have been Branson's when he was in first grade um, because leprechauns are tricky. Oh, yeah. So Branson wanted to get out a step ahead of it. And in front of his leprechaun trap, he had a big sign that said, this is not a trap. It's not a trap. This is not a trap. Don't worry. We're good. He's it's, playing mind games that's with right. leprechauns. This is, this is actually a ladder going up to the top of a building with a pot of gold on it. It is not a trap in any way, Mr. Leprechaun. Yeah, just those little, we were still able to do a modified version of that, you know, because of distance learning we were still able to do that but if i'm not mistaken you have a, a facebook page where you share some of the things you do in your classroom yes i do i do it's max munchkins and um, i'm just yeah plug that because if you want to see some of yeah. the things that we're talking about in real time in real life give a follow to max munchkins on facebook because there's some pretty cool stuff on there I, yeah thank you yes i do i try to post a lot of that just you know mainly just to so there's a lot of negative on social media and and I don't like to stand with that I want to show all the good things in education that we are doing you don't really hear about that as much as you hear about all the bad things going right. on and there's so much happiness and so much magic that is taking place well it's like our, our last guest Dr. San Filippo from Fall Creek has always said you know tell your story you know tell your classroom story tell your school story because if you don't somebody else is going to and it, it might not always be the positive story that that you really deserve uh, I know there was another story that we wanted to talk about, Renee. Um, in fact, it might have been at the very beginning of 
this whole concept about our school mascot, Rocky. Yes. Okay. This actually was one of the key moments, I think, in, in my career where I was able to kind of um, switch over and being comfortable and letting the kids take the reins. That's something that as a new teacher, it took me a long time to do. I wanted perfect control. I want perfect, quiet children. And, you know, because we're so afraid of outside appearance, you know, what is it? Oh my gosh, what happens if my principal walks in and sees craziness? And it took me a long time to just relax and trust the kids. And that, that particular moment was one, uh, that I just think was, it was, just life-changing for me. So we have this re- mascot, uh, Rocky, who is a coyote. Yeah, and so five foot four to six foot four coyote, depending on circumstances. Depending on the day. Yeah. Depending on the day. He's got some short days and tall days. And uh, so it was the end of the year. And, you know, we have to turn all of our books in and all of our resources in. And and so I'm still trying to do daily five, you know, because daily five happens until the last day of school in my classroom because we read until the last day. It's a big thing for us when we because we enjoy it and we love it. It's not work for us. It's just it's just routine. And so, you know, we're doing daily five and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have any books. So I had this stack of newspapers on my desk, which was happened to be our school newspaper that our student council just did. And I was like, oh, they can read. Perfect. So I, you know, that's what they did for read to self. And the front page article was, you know, who is Rocky? And it was basically this conspiracy theory that Rocky may not be a real coyote, that it might be this like puppet thing, or it could be Batman, or there was even word that it could be Mr. Shepfield sneaking back at Cottonwood. I mean, like there was, it was a huge conspiracy theory. And my first graders were in an outrage because to them that that's a coyote. That's a real live coyote that comes in and, you know, we don't know where he lives, but he just shows up. And so at that moment, you know, I'm, I'm looking over and I'm reading with kids and I hear first graders like conspiring. They're like, oh my gosh, we got to get to the bottom of this. What's going on? We got, okay, well, we're not allowed to bother Mrs. Mack during guided reading, so let's wait. And so I'm just like, okay, so obviously I'm like, something's up, something's up. So I get up, I'm like, all right, babies, come, you know. And they're like in tears, Mrs. Mack, they're trying to say that Rocky's not real and that he's a puppet or that he's just a mascot. And they were just in then they're like, let's take it to Mr. Mogger. And I'm like, okay, all right, whoa. We do not go into our life lesson number one. We don't go into our boss's office with a pitchfork ready to attack that, that, you know, we, that doesn't lead anywhere good. So I'm like, let's, so I sent Peyton in, you know, Miss Peyton Barnes to schedule an appointment for Mr. Mogger so he can come and, and that, and what was great about Chris is that he, uh, he just kind of goes with the flow sort of thing. I didn't have to text him like, Hey, this is going somewhere. I'm just like, just, you know, he can just go. Just go with it. Just Seems go with to kind it. Of be I don't know where it's going to go. Standard procedure. Exactly. And so, you know, he comes in and um, the kids at that point, when we were trying to figure this out, have already started passing out paper. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to write, we're going to write a letter. And I'm like, okay, so that basically you're going to write a letter to the editor stating, you know, that you're that you're unhappy with this article and that, you know, you think, you know, your point of view, putting your point of view out of there. But we want to make sure we're respectful and that we're literate and we can actually get our point across in a respectful way. And so they're over there and they're writing, you know, and Chris comes in and he's just like, I'm like, oh, just wait, just wait. 
Exactly. <laughs> We're just going to ride this horse and see where it takes us. So let's see. And so anyway, at that point, you know, the kids were reading their letters and Chris is like, did you plan this lesson? And I'm like, <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could have come up with something like this. No, man, this was just going. But, you know, the, the point of that is, is just that would not have happened if there was that 100% structure. Okay, you know, from this point to this point, I'm going to do writing. And, from, you know, they know that everything flows so nicely in the classroom where writing can come into math and it can come into science and it can come in. You know, reading is everywhere. Writing is everywhere. Math is everywhere. So just having that flexibility to just, you know, there's a lesson in, you know, hiding in every corner. Right. And those first graders were upset. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could remember some of the specific letters, but there was clearly Rocky is not a man. Rocky is not a puppet. Rocky is Rocky. He's a coyote. It, it made me think of Eddie Murphy. I am Rocky, damn it. You know, from his gummy <laughs> routines from, from Saturday Night Live. It was just that kind of thing. But man, uh, yeah. And it came out of nowhere, but it was beautiful. My office is right across that hall. Any monkey business is ill-advised. All right. So we are at the point of our podcast where we like to try to have a little fun as if the last hour-ish has not been fun. It's been, <laughs> right. it's been tremendous, but we'll see if we can top that. So uh, I think this is probably a good time to mention. I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but um, our special guest today, Miss Mac, is just a little bit of a Marvel fan, just tiny. Um, right now, you can't see she's got it on her neck. It's on the cover of her laptop. And if you ever get the honor to go into her classroom, you'll figure it out really quickly. So we have created an extra credit question based on that. So our question for you today is, which character from the Marvel Universe would be two parts? First, which one would be the best first grade student? And which one would be the most challenging first grade student, assuming they have a first grade-ish level of superpower? Such a great question. And I know everybody that knows me is going to think I'm going to say Captain, because obviously I kind of you know, love Captain America. Well, there's a Captain America medallion around your neck as we speak. I know, but I think he would be too easy. He would be too easy to have in the classroom. He'd just be a perfect kid, do everything you want. I think the best student to have would be Tony Stark. Can you imagine having that guy run some of your math lessons and science (laughs) lessons? I mean, I can't even imagine what my first graders would end up creating by the end of that year. I would be like, well, Tony, and what's your perspective on that? (laughs) I mean, we'd have time machines. I'm sure COVID would be cured by then too. He would just be like, so yeah, I would absolutely go with Tony on that one. Excellent choice. How about the uh, most challenging first grader? Okay. So my original thought was Hulk, but uh, you know, we've all had our share of Hulks. We've all had a desk flipper or a stabbing friend or <laughs> a stabbing, a stabbing friend, friend right? Yeah, right? We've all who had them. Who doesn't have a stabbing who, friend? I've had several. <laughs> Sneak the, the scissors out at, at recess. Yeah, no. So, but we've all dealt with them. I think the most challenging for me would be the Scarlet Witch. And I don't know if you guys are watching WandaVision. She can change your reality. Like you don't know what is real and what's not. She can make you think you're somewhere else. She can make you think you're someone else. And I'm thinking in a first grade version. Her superpower is gaslighting people. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the not it student for me. That's right. So I'll go next because I, you know, not to break anyone's heart in the room, but I I don't think it's any secret to anybody in here that I'm I'm not really a, a comic person. I think Miss Mack knows my family started probably about a year ago now and went through the entire anthology. Um, I was not part of that, save maybe Iron Man, because I just couldn't get into it. But anyway, so my answers are very generic, and I'm going to steal a couple. My my best student, I was going to say Iron Man. 
Tony Stark, just because of a lot of the same reasons you said, very intelligent. Um, he could probably run your math center and probably create something pretty amazing. And then again, because I don't know anything beyond like Spider-Man and the Hulk, I said the Hulk because like, you know what, someone like Jax's green crayon, it's all over. Right. I mean, he's just, you talk about the desk flipper and Hulk smash and all that. Uh, like One dodgeball to the face and it's over. Forget about it. All it's of a sudden done. there's kids everywhere. Just haywire. So yeah, I think that the Hulk, can, for obvious reasons, can cause a lot of problems in a first grade classroom. Mr. Marger, what do you got for us? Yeah. For my outstanding uh, Marvel student, I picked somebody that doesn't have any quote unquote superpowers. Uh, I went with Pepper Potts. Uh, Tony Stark's assistant. And and I thought she'd be a great student. She'd be the Peyton Barnes, basically. Uh, You know, the six-year-old that could run the classroom if the teacher didn't show up or would be showing Miss Dorothy exactly what's what. Um, But, you know, she didn't need to be the center of attention. She was very happy being in the background while Tony took all the glory. Um, But she was there and she was uh, an indispensable member of his team. So I think Pepper Potts would be a wonderful first grade student. And and, and for my most challenging first grade student, I got to go with Loki. Oh, good one. I mean, first of all, he's brilliant and he's got many abilities that would be problematic in the classroom. But simply if in first grade, if all he could do was take the form of somebody else, I mean, imagine that for a minute. First of all, he would be getting every other kid in trouble because he'd show up as that kid, do whatever he wanted to, poof, he's Loki again. And that kid wouldn't know what was going on and got in trouble. He could show up in the classroom as the principal. He could show up that day as the teacher, he could do whatever he wanted and it would just be incredibly problematic. And as a principal, it would be frustrating because we would never be able to catch him because, you know, you look at the cameras and it's it's Mrs. Mack that's yelling at the kids and, and throwing things in the classroom. It's not Loki. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'd have to go with Pepper Potts for the good student and Loki for the challenging one. I love those answers. All right. Well, I think that concludes this episode for today. Miss Mack, we want to thank you very much for joining us on Alone with Our Principals. Hopefully you had fun. I did. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Yeah, this, this was, was great, awesome. Mac. Thank you. Thank you. That's the fact. Yeah. Well, that was an amazingly fun episode, as we expected with Mrs. Mac. So, Carrie, uh, what do we got for a fact check today? Hello, sir. Again, I have a few for you. So, I actually have the quote that Mr. Land mentioned, and then uh, Mrs. Mac also mentioned. One of the versions is from Maya Angelou, and it's at the end of the day, people won't remember what you said or did. They will remember how you made them feel. Wow, I butchered that badly. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for butchering that. You keep me employed. That's right. Um, The next one I have is about head wounds because everybody here seems to be a candidate for a head wound and has the impact felt across their lifespan because of that head wound. Literally and figuratively. (laughs) That was a dig. That felt like a dig. So, but I just, I I looked up how to stop bleeding from a head wound because apparently minor cuts on the head often bleed heavily because the face and scalp have many blood vessels close to the surface of the skin. As someone who shaves his head on a weekly basis, I can verify that. Although the amount of bleeding may be alarming, many times the injury is not severe and the bleeding will stop with treatment that you can actually do at home. So thank goodness you actually got to go home to grandma. (laughs) You know, grandmas are the best often, right? Mm -hmm. And then I also have, you mentioned Katie Gardner and you didn't really talk too much about like what she actually represents or I know she's a part of professional development, which we mentioned, but she is actually, I believe the founder and creator, correct? Yeah, she is the creator. She's the mastermind of the secret stories. And do you want to give a brief little synopsis of what that is? Yeah. So the secret stories are basically stories that tap into that social emotional part in our brain. 
rather than, you know, they say that there's two ways to, to learn things. You can drill and kill, memorize, 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 or if it taps in to the back of the brain, which is where our social and emotional pieces, if it's just by telling a story. Well, you're, you're making a connection, right? Connection. I am. I'm making, yeah, that's basically what it is, is you are just making that connection to that. So you're relating to, to, uh, an incident that happened. Thank you for sharing that, Mm -hmm. by the way. And then my last one is for the gentleman who is not a fan of comics, Marvel (sighs) comics. That hurts me. Um, And you talked about Iron Man. Iron Man earned $318 million in the United States and Canada. And actually worldwide, the gross was $585 million. Just to be clear, before I start getting like inbox messages about that, I did say I watched Iron Man. I did enjoy Iron Man. Iron Man, in my opinion, is the best of the whole series. Y'all can disagree with me if you want to. I liked it. I like Tony Stark. I honestly don't have a favorite. I'm kind of a fan of all of them. All right. And we do have a last minute fact check here. After we recorded with Mrs. Mack, uh, I went home and found the publication from the Middlesex Public Library where the Adventures of Carrot Man were published back in November of 1976 in a publication called Kids Stuff. So, Carrie, if you'd like to read this literary masterpiece uh, written by yours truly and by Christine Sexton, age 11. Oh, please. I would love to. So the title of this masterpiece is Carrot Man in Who Done It? Clark Seed was writing his praying mantis named Manty to his office. When he arrived, Lois Bean shouted, Clark, the vegetable store was just robbed. Are there any suspects? Asked Clark. Yes, said Lois. Tom A. Toe. Broccoli and cauliflower. Clark walked into his secret booth and turned into the Carrot Man. Carrot Man flew across the city of Gardenopolis to Tom A. Toe's house. Did you just rob the vegetable store? Asked Carrot Man. No, said Tom. I was at the World Series. Then he flew to Broccoli's house. I didn't do it. I was at the movies, said Brock. Then he flew to Cauliflower's house. Yeah, I did it, dimwit man, said Collie. What are you going to do about it? Collie started running. Gotcha, said Carrot Man when he caught her. You're under arrest. Collie went to jail. Now people could still say, look up in the sky. It's a bean. It's a beet. No, it's Carrot Man. That's amazing. Riveting. <laughs> I, I got to say, I, I think Carrot Man's superpower was interrogation because all he had to say was, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Instantly got a confession out of Cauliflower. And, you know, he was very accepting of the alibis of Tom Ato and Brock O'Lee. So, <laughs> T-O-E. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Tom Ato. Please tell me that you're posting this wonderful illustration also on Facebook. Oh, yeah. By the way, yeah. Read the illustrators. It's on the next page. I I don't think I gave credit to everybody. I mentioned a few, but down at the bottom, it should say who that's illustrated by. I even missed that side. That's even better. Illustrators, John Coble, Arnie Gentile, Tom Jennings, Bob Palazzi, and John Romano. See, you thought I made those names up. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's been making up names and... Imaginary friends for decades. Those are all pen names, actually. <laughs> exactly. But but you'll notice that one of the alibis was at the World Series, I mean, because even then there had to be a baseball reference and everything. Absolutely. Had I thought about it, we could have uh, said the World Series was between the Beatsburg Pirates and the Okra A's. 
I think I think we need a, a modern day rewrite. Absolutely. Do you have a yearbook? Because I'd love to put real faces with these names of the, the other people who are your I illustrators absolutely and authors. Do. I, I can find my sixth grade yearbook for sure. Please do. That would make my day. That would be awesome. All right. Thanks, Gary. You're very welcome, gentlemen, and Miss Mack. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to Alone With Our Principles podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more content, including videos and contests, or if you have questions or suggestions for us, you can follow us on our Facebook page. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Carrie, and on behalf of Chris and Eric, we hope you'll remember the words of the great philosopher Ferris Bueller, who once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. still here? It's over. Go home.